Pull up a stool and pour yourself a pint as you're about to join three intrepid drinkers, Kevin, Justin, and Mark, as they embark on another beer-tastic voyage. Hi everyone, Mark here with a note about this week's episode. We're splitting it up into two parts because we went on for so long having such a good time with the Brewers Collective, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on part two next week. Hi everybody, and welcome to Beer-tastic Voyage. My name's Kevin. I'm Mark. And I'm Justin. And today we are at the Brewers Collective with Sarah and Tim Doherty? Doherty. Doherty. Yes. I practiced it so many times, I knew I was going to botch it anyway. That's fine. <laughs> Say hi. Hi. <laughs> That's Tim. Yeah. So, In case anybody was wondering the, the, which voice was which. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm excited to be here. I have never been over to your guys' brewery before. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about your brewery here? Oh, absolutely. Um, so we've been here in our Bayshore location in construction for about 16 months. Uh, we started out, um, do you want to kind of go into a history or? Usually we do a quick review history of the brewery. So yeah, how did yeah. we, how'd you guys get started? Okay. Um, so we started off as a homebrew club. Uh, we, uh, Tim works with a bunch of, um, like-minded fellows at his place where, um, when we met up, like when Tim started his current job now, we had um, a couple of people that were into homebrew. Uh, one of our founding fathers, if you will, uh, Joe, made this amazing pumpkin beer, and he would kind of let people buy it by the bottle if they wanted to, and it was absolutely fantastic, and it inspired us to go out and get our first kit, and uh, we started homebrewing. And I guess that was, what, honey, 2007? Yeah, it was about 2007, 2008. Now, this was before pumpkin beer was actually a thing. I swear to God it was. And, uh, <laughs> that's cool, man. We, we believe you. We believe you. It really was. And I just got sick of paying a premium for those freaking bottles. So that's why we started homebrewing. Do you remember what the first beer that you guys made was? Like in that homebrew kit? I do. I made a brown ale with my buddy Matt. It, was, oh, right. uh, it came out really good, actually. There we went from go. a brown ale to like a like a Belgian triple or something crazy afterwards. It was not a good idea. <laughs> but the brown ale came out really good. I still have all those recipes saved somewhere as well. One day we'll do like a throwback, you know, homebrew OG recipes. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, we went and got our first kit from Arbor. And, okay. And um, we definitely made it on the kitchen, you know, kitchen stove and made a mess. And uh, Did it boil over on you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah just, Justin is the only one of us that has not had that experience. So. Really? Well, that's not, that's not true. I, not, not in the kitchen. We were outside. Yes. But, but that's we, what I mean. we, we like put the hops in and all of the hops. And when you, if you if you decide to taste it and not throw it out after hearing this, all of the hops pretty much went right up and out, and I'm pretty sure that I, I might have gotten like a half an IBU out of the whole thing. <laughs> Excellent. You know, it was good. I mean, we had read like the Charlie Papazian book, and, and we were just really super into it, and then once we started, there was like no stopping, you know. We just wanted to try everything and make everything, and um, so then a few of the other guys uh, started to brew as well, and... The Brewers Collective was kind of born out of just, you know, we wanted to do our own thing and kind of compare notes and, and get together, you know, and have an excuse to kind of drink and show off what we had made. And so, you know, we would always just get together and, and drink our homebrew and give each other feedback. And then we got a little more formal about it. And then, you know, once every couple of months, we'd all brew the same style of beer, you know, with different adjuncts and whatnot. And, and then we'd do, like, blind tasting tests and, and some bragging rights going on. And then there was a mug That involved. usually happens when there's yeah. when there, when everybody's working together. It's There's got to be a little bit of bragging oh, going of on. Of course. It's going to be a little competition. It never hurt anybody. And um, we did that for a few years. And it was really, you know, then we started inviting our friends to come and, you know, to these parties, and they just started getting, you know, a lot of attention. Started to a shit shop. <laughs> and they start demanding more beer. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. And we're like, you know, so I think in 2000, 
2012, I want to say, we, um, we, we joined the American Homebrew Association, and we wanted to kind of, you know, get some of those perks, and, you know, we started doing the beer festival scene, you know. Yes, I, I did notice that you have Zymergy Magazine in the bathroom for reading material, and I was <laughs> yes. quite happy. Good. I'm surprised you made your way out here. It's an episode. It's one you already have, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. Good. Um, but, yeah, so we um, decided, you know, we loved these festivals, and they were so much fun, and then we had the idea of, like, maybe we could pour some of our beer at one of these festivals. The other homebrew clubs were doing it, and we were an official club, and we used to always participate in uh, Big Homebrew Day at uh, at um, National Homebrew Homebrew Day, excuse me, at, uh, at Blue Point. So we got okay. to know a couple of the brewers there, and we reached out to one of the brewers who's not there anymore, and we said, hey, you know, what if uh, Brewers Collective came and, you know, did something for the Cascal Festival? And he said yes, and we were like, wow, great. Okay, uh, awesome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we, you know, we got, we, well, I think we had, we tended to have three casks, and then we had a problem with one of them that exploded. <laughs> and um, So we had two offerings, and people loved the beer when we went, and it was like this incredible high, and all these people lined up to drink our beer, giving us like feedback in real time, and it was like, you get a taste of something like that, and it's like, wow, you know? So we're like, let's, let's keep this going, and then we started doing all the, um, the starfish uh, f- you know, festivals like Belmont and the okay. National Yeah, that was Fest. the first time that I encountered you guys was the... The Great Beer Expo. Oh yeah. They uh, immediately after Hurricane Sandy. Oh yeah. When it got pushed back into like oh, early wow. November and yep. everybody was like, oh, uh, there's no heat in the building. That Have fun with freezing. that. That yeah. was freezing. Cold yes. Freezing cold. <laughs> I'm sort of glad that I wasn't doing the beer festivals with you guys when you did that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was rather frigid because we were like, "Oh, we're not gonna, we're not gonna need our coats inside. We'll leave them in the car. That way, we don't have to carry them around the entire time." That was a terrible mistake. Well, you just had to drink beer quickly in order to to be warm. So, yeah. You know. Was that the year Terry Terry's here? Was that the year you guys dressed up as as horse and jockey that year? Is that the cold no, year? No, it's Belmont. I don't remember that. I I'm pretty sure I would remember that. I can't. I honestly, I can't say I remember which beer I had, but I definitely picked up one of your stickers at the time. So. Nice. Yeah, no, stickers are good. Those always been a, it's a great logo. So people always love that sticker, and they they put it in all kinds of crazy places and tag us, and we encourage that. You know, more interesting the place, the better. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. So like after that, um, you know, we did the festival circuit for a while, and then we started to really think about, you know, what if we went pro? You know, this is, we're getting really good feedback here. We're really passionate about it. I, I you know, can't imagine doing anything that would be more fun and more, you know, akin to what we're already passionate about. So um, I think in 2012, we incorporated and uh, we started to actively pursue our passion and see what we could do. I mean, brick and mortar at that time was very much out of the question. You know, we were nine strong at that time. Everybody's working their regular job and, you know, we don't, and we weren't really interested in getting like any venture capital or anything like that. So we started to weigh our options. And we, you know, we talked to a couple of local breweries to see about maybe contract brewing. And we thought about it. And, you know, end of the day, we all really like to brew. So we didn't really want someone else to brew the beer, you know. So, that makes sense. You, yeah. You want to have your hands on it. We and did. You <laughs> Very much Really so. let it be yours and... Oh, you know, yes. not give away your baby. Plus, exactly, it's next yeah. to drinking it, it's a close second to the fun part. You know? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. No, and, and you know, and, and, and nothing against people who contract brew. I mean, it's no. definitely a means to an end, and, and, it, and it's, you know, you want to get your product out there commercially, and I, I get that. Um, but lucky, luckily for us, like, right around that time, uh, there was some interest from a gentleman out of uh, Farmingdale that owned a commercial kitchen called The Taste of Long Island, which is not there anymore. It's actually where Lithology Brewing is today. And he had the idea of starting up an alternating proprietorship. So 
essentially what would happen is we would he was looking for like three or four breweries that would go in on the cost of building out so like such a, a thing. brewery timeshare exactly yes very there you much go. so yeah okay yeah. See? So, look at that bringing yeah. some knowledge in. <laughs> yes it's good <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I mean, essentially, we would share the the startup costs for retrofitting the existing commercial kitchen into a brew house. Okay. So, us together with uh, 1940s Brewing Company and Po' Boy, um, who just opened in Port Jaff, um, and the actual Taste Long Island, he had his own kind of brewing company going. We all built it out. It took about a year. Okay. And then we launched commercially. I would say to the November 2014, we had our license. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we had a yeah, we're big old big kickoff. Voice from beyond, introduce yourself. Oh yes, that's that's Jason in the background. Hi Jason. <laughs> Hi Jason. Hey Jay. Um, but yes, yeah, so we we actually we did our launch at the Nutty Irishman, um, in in Farmingdale, which is like a huge facility. And yeah, it, it is. That's <laughs> a big place. Yeah, it's a big place, and it was it ended up being perfect. You know, a lot of times you know, they get the reputation of just having you know big commercial beers, but the owner at the time, great dude John Court, uh, he was super into craft and he was all about it. So it was really fun, and we had a packed house, and we launched, and and for about a year, you know, we distributed to, we had a lot of different local accounts, you know, you couldn't do, the tasting room was not yours, you know, it was still owned by right. the owner, so you could supply them with kegs, um, and we did, but mostly it was all wholesale stuff, and it, it really was what we wanted, because we wanted to put the product out there commercially, and to see how it would do, get the feedback, and, and start to sort of build our our brand, and the response was great, and it was very encouraging. And then we were there for about a year, and then we signed our lease here about 16 months ago, and we've been in construction ever since until recently. <laughs> well, yeah. it's a, it looks great already. Yes. I mean, 16 months, you guys say, like, it's in construction. It looks fantastic oh. in here. I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, you know, we definitely wanted to kind of keep it minimal and, and with our aesthetic and, you know, not too much going on, you know, with tons of posters everywhere and stuff, right. and keep it about the beer, come and enjoy, and uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. It was it was it's been a long process, you know, moving everything along. Luckily, like we had a lot of the paperwork and stuff all done. It was mis- mostly just like a transfer from when you were location. incorporated. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that part wasn't really so bad. It was just you know you you deal with you know, you know local townships and right. stuff like that, and you know and there's a lot of red tape to go through, and you go through the process. Everything is, you know, you work for every every step that you that you can get to. So. But it's good, and it's it's been a ride, but it's been a great ride, and we're finally here, and couldn't be happier. And we're glad you're here. And, um, <laughs> and we're glad you're here. So. <laughs> the um, now I took a quick uh, peek on the on your guys' website, and it says that you're collectively owned. So am am I going to put it together that those other folks that were in that homebrew cl- club with you? were the ones that also own portions of this, and you guys all chop it up and own portion of the company as it is? Uh, yes. Well, we're a collective. So we used to be nine strong, but when we you know, got serious about this, I mean, life happens, and not everybody could go all the way with this. So there's six of us now, and okay. all six of us are equal, fully equal partners. You know, we're a true working collective. We don't That's have great. any. Yeah, there's no bosses, no hierarchy. You know, everybody gets an equal say, and we all have roles and responsibilities because, you know, there's many different facets to being in the beer business, you know. But, Definitely. Uh, yeah, but there's no, like, majority shareholder or anything like that. Okay. Everything is, is equal, and so it's somewhat unique. what do you guys do when, I mean, if there's six, you can have an even split. What do you, what's the tiebreaker? Is it rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> yes. Is it arm wrestles? What is it? It's me. Uh, it's, 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 it's Tim. Tim. Yeah, it's, it's Tim. It's Tim being they, taller than the rest they, of you? They, no, they actually <laughs> elected me for that, so that's, okay. uh, I'm supposed to, oh, okay. yeah, that's a guy taller than me. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm supposed to be the tiebreaker. Luckily, it usually not come to that because, for the most part, you're not, you're not fighting each other on on what you know, on, the, on the day-to-day decisions. It's all 
you know, everyone's sort of on the same page. Big decisions, though, yeah, we do. So, you know, sometimes it comes down to a vote or yeah. a split of opinion. But I'm supposed to be um, sort of a hammer to, 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 to break any split decision. But I think I've had to do it once, so. No, I mean, I just, you know, I just understand, you know, anytime you're working with, you know, more than one person, there's good, there, there may well be, you know, decisions that you don't agree upon. So just oh, yeah. in yeah. the course of business, I figured it would come up at some point. Oh, it does. And it does. You know, I mean, luckily for us, like the six of us, we really genuinely like one another and we that, enjoy that working together. So, you know, it's, it's been, it's been really pretty easy. I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people when I kind of tell them how the company is set up. And they're like, you know, God, that sounds like chaos to me. You know, I don't even know how that works, you know. But when there's mutual respect and, you know, uh, a shared dream or passion, like, it, it falls into place. And, and, and where there's a will, there's a way. And there's always, you know, and it's actually, it's to our benefit because, you know, when we play with different ideas, of, especially, like, during the build-out and, and plans for brews and stuff like that, we can, you know, we have six people that can figure out, like, the best course, and everyone yeah. can, can bring their own opinion to it, and we're better for it, you know. And it's, it's really nice. Like, it helps us with you know, just different tax, tasks that we have to do, and there's always someone to kind of pick up that ball. You know, nothing ever really stops. It always, it's always moving. That so. certainly would be helpful. I know, yeah. you know, our, our small group, we pass around a lot of responsibilities, and it helps out a lot that there's more than one person to do it. I know yes. I lead on these guys a lot. Yes, yeah, you do. In our non-business fun side project, Yes. I can't even imagine what it would be like for a full-scale business. So, yeah. I mean... I'm in, I'm in awe that you guys can get it together and make it work like that. So <laughs> that's you. really what it boils down to for me. Awesome. Before we were, uh, before we recorded, we were, you were saying something about the system in the back. You had a 10 barrel test system. Can you talk a little about your system and oh, sort yeah. of how, you, how it's set up? Yeah. Well, yeah. 10, uh, 10 gallon. Yeah, I'll take it away. So yeah, so we have a we have a, a three barrel system is our production system. We have a 10 barrel, a 10 gallon. Right? Oh right, sorry. 10 gallon uh, uh, pilot system. It's actually Mikey DePito's old uh, uh, homebrew, homebrew system. Homebrew setup. Yeah. So he made it real nice. He took like. Uh, Someone gave him like a bed frame, like an iron bed frame, so he cut it and then drilled it and made it into the. I'll show it to you later. It's this crazy sculpture. It, it, he went through like 16 drill bits making it because it's oh, Is it a, is it a multi-tier or is it horizontal? Yeah, it's a it's a two-tier. So you okay. got the uh, you got the one up top, the hot lo- hot liquor tank, and then you have the two uh, the mash down on the boil kettle down below. Side so by side. Pump gotcha. on it, and he's the guy who took it like uh, from like me at home. Like still, I still I have, I have kegs at least. I have kegels, but like they're they're simple. Like I have to lift the stupid things up. Like he was all about automating it. And not having to do hard work, so he he, he did he did really well with it. So now with today, you know, that we're brewing here, it's our it's our pilot system, which is nice. So we we brew all over anything that's really freaking out there, we'll brew it on that first to get a feel for how it is. You know, we sort of debate over the recipe or or, or sort of work the recipe as as palatable as we can with, in our heads, and then you brew it on that small system. And then up, you know, going from a, a 10 gallon to a, a, a 93 gallon, which is three barrels, not that big of a difference. It's not like. Uh, too much unknown. You can almost scale it directly for the most part. That's what I was going to ask, how the scaling worked yeah, out. Yeah, you scale um, not quite directly, but almost, almost. Uh, uh, we use software. We use Beersmith. So you, enter, you, you try to set up your equipment profile as best you can, and then you sort of let the algorithms in Beersmith sort of help you out. And then with time and experience, you sort of adjust it. You to can dial tastes. it in exactly, between, exactly. from batch to batch to get it exactly. just where you want. Exactly. Hop utilization was a big thing for us, which is... Uh, 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 time spent in the whirlpool was a, a bit of a factor. Uh, yeah, I know that uh, hop utilization increases with scale a lot more. Exactly, exactly. So I know that's one of those sort of moving targets that takes a couple of batches to dial in. Exactly, exactly. Mark, and can you just yeah. clarify that real quick? You said hop utilization? Right, so... What the, it, well, I'm not familiar with that. I'm it's, the least experienced brewer in the room. 
Uh, no, I think Justin might still be. Yeah, but he's actually interested in it still to keep going. So he's in the sponge absorb as much knowledge as possible thing, and I mine whatever I knew I forgot already. So when you put the hops in the boil, the isomerization of the alpha acids is what gives you the bitterness. Okay. And it's not a... Uh, there's not a direct correlation between, say, a five-gallon batch and a 15-gallon batch. If if you put an ounce of hops in a five-gallon batch and then you scaled it up to a 15-gallon batch and you put three ounces of hops okay. in there, you would end up with more IBUs in the 15-gallon batch than the five-gallon batch just because there's a greater isomerization of the hops on a larger scale. I don't know why, but I don't, that's what happens. For us, it's like time in the whirlpool. Yeah. It's uh, you know time in the kettle after you're done cooking. It has to right because the cool down time faster. is longer, things like that. Right, it's a lot faster to drain a 10-gallon vessel than it is to drain a 100-gallon vessel. That right, that, okay. that adds a bunch to it. But yeah, little little things like that. But after you get that sort of dialed in, the the scaling is is a snap, you know. And the nice one of the nice things about being three barrel is that uh, you can really you can really go out there with your styles because if it's if it's a total loss, it's not that expensive to dump. You know, we have never dumped anything for the record. But you, you know you can. If, it's, it's a hard thing to do. I understand. Right. And I, we, yeah. no, we've never. I, to knock on wood again. We've never, we've never had any kind of issues with that. We, we we play it safe. We even when we make our really wacky herbal beers, we we take the herbs, we make teas out of them, we put them into like a bland base beer style to see like what it might mm -hmm. taste like. Um, and and it's it's been good so far. Good now so I far. I saw that on on the website of you said uh, herbal beers. That's a variety that I don't think I've ever seen before or really heard about. Could you elaborate on like what those are and maybe give us an example of one of the ones you made? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, I don't know w what it was that got me into it. I think it was an, I was reading. I read a lot of stuff on the internet. I'm a, I'm a computer guy, so I have a lot of desk time. I read something yeah, I about. Feel, I feel you on that. I read <laughs> something about an archaeological dig in Ireland where You've they were just digging been up given these, the witch binder. Okay. They were, they were digging up these uh, uh, horseshoe-shaped like ruins, and they thought they were brewing there. So they, they analyzed mm -hmm. the contents of the clay pottery and whatever else they found there, and they found traces of uh, what was it, elderflower, juniper, and yarrow. So and they made a beer based on it. They tried to make it. The this, is so this is very cool. So I, I made it, and it was it was really weird and really good. Um, it was a big. We actually brought it to Bayfest, I think, um, years ago, and it was it was very strange, but in a good way. So basically, th they're. The, the, the creation of the beer is the same, except instead of adding hops, you'll substitute hops for any variety of herbs. Now, this okay. is known in ancient times as, as gruet. Yeah, uh, that was going to be my question for you, whether or not there was actually any hops in your gruets. Because I know, like, legally in yes. some places that there yes. has to be hops in yeah, it in exactly. order for you to call it beer. Exactly, and we do. We have to. I'm pretty, well, we think we have to, so we do it anyway. Just but to be safe. I mean, it's like you're not going to detect the hops. It's it's like a handful or like an ounce or two. Something just so to, do you like throw them in the mash? Because like I know some people do that. They'll put them in the mash that yeah. way. That the one that's back know. there, we did that with actually. Yeah, uh, gotcha, we, we just yeah. did a collaboration with uh, Paul 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 Comsick from Brickhouse. Uh, we did a oh a yeah, Scottish Paul's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah we Paul. like. Paul. And uh, so that we'd actually mash the hops for that one. But normally we just throw, I don't know, a handful in or a, you know, a couple ounces in at the beginning of the boil. Uh, it does, you know, it does help keep the, your, your rod bacteria down. I think t 10 IBU inhibits lactobacillus. Like, right, yeah. Well, I think it's as low as 5 depending yeah. on the strain. But yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. So, but no, and I mean, when I would homebrew these things, no, there was no hops in it. And it was, uh, it, it, it never spoiled. Uh, these, these brewing herbs are very good preservatives. They're good at... Uh, 
They're good flavoring agents, good bittering agents, and they're, uh, they can be psychoactive when you ferment them, so they have to be a little <laughs> careful. All right. I'm the, it's definitely one of those things that I've had on, like, my two-brew list. Like, Justin can tell you, I've been talking about wanting to make beer using sage. Yes. For yes. Uh, at least six months now, so I'm hoping that, you know, this coming spring, summer, I'll be able to get enough between my garden and the the CSA that my nice. wife and I are part of in order to have enough sage together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Make a, a five-gallon if, if the CSA gives you sage just based upon the number of, like, pumpkins and things I've seen strewn about your kitchen when you picked it up, I'm pretty sure you'll have enough. <laughs> well, like, I, I definitely can. I have to go to the farm and pick it myself. Oh. So it just never really worked out where I knew I was going to have the time to actually brew last summer to right, actually right. go there, do that, get the sage that I needed it, and in order to, to get it done. So yeah, like, trying I'll to do it fresh, too, it's even better. I mean, obviously, but it's, uh, it's sage. Uh, Witchfinder is a sage groat ale. Uh, Loot, which was on tap until last weekend, is a sage, lemon balm, and hibiscus ale, or groat ale. And um, uh, the one we have back there now is all, made with all heather. So, But Witchfinder is a sage ale. Sage is a oh. great brewing ingredient, a great brewing herb. It's a great preservative. Uh, we saved Witchfinder uh, uh, keg, the one keg of it from from a taste of Long Island, and we were drinking it here in the past couple of months because you know for something to drink, <laughs> and it was it was still great with a little malty because it's you know the time. Uh, I had bottles of it at home, our homebrew, where I've saved it for two years, and it's still phenomenally good. It's it's really it's, yeah yeah that's no, awesome. It's, it's a good preservative. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely something that I wanted to start getting into, especially like I know uh, Stan Haranimus has his. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, brewing local book out and Scratch Brewing released their Home Brewers Almanac. Yeah. I don't have that one yet, but it, you know I definitely want to start getting into that. Yeah, it's 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 worth it. You get all these different flavors. Uh, it's a whole to- totally different world of brewing. Um, we've been doing that. Uh, I'm I'm proud to say we were the first commercial brewery on Long Island to brew herbal ales commercially, and we were doing that at a taste of Long Island back in 2014 2015. Um, and it's it's nice. It's a very different sort of flavor profile. Nobody's making anything like it. Uh, at least back then they weren't. And, I don't uh, think I've ever had. I, I, mean, I, don't I just had a little sip of this. I don't think I've ever had anything that tastes like this. Yeah, really doing it. A couple of people have tried sage, and it's it's cool. I, I want to push that. I'm not trying to be exclusive. Like with I know it. Blind I Bat nice has his uh, honey basil. Yeah, right. Oh, that was Which, really good. That, that one is really good as well. But yes. it's uh, I don't I don't know how much uh, how much the basil is just there for like flavor, and how much he's trying to get like right. bitterness and whatnot. Right, right, right. Right. We also had that um, from Yards. We, uh, I went to Philadelphia, and I picked up these three. Uh, they called them their presidential series, even though one of them's not even a president. Um, oh, the, yeah, I forget yeah. which one. Uh, it was the Tavern Spruce. I forget which. which I think that's the Ben Franklin That's one. the uh, Ben Franklin. Yes. He, he used spruce um, in, in the recipe, and apparently they did the same thing there. I mean, it didn't taste like a tree or anything to me. It was pretty right. good, but. <laughs> <laughs> spruce tip. I want to make a spruce tip here. Uh, yeah, that's on. yeah, that's one of the ones yeah. that I'd like to do, too. I want to forage it. I want to do it in season and go to a park or something and, and pick a, a couple buckets full of spruce tips. So um, we're uh, we're tasting the Witchbinder right now. So can we go through uh, this beer a little bit, you know, what, what your thought process was and, sure. and what we should expect? Sure. So that was my homebrew recipe from a long time ago. Um, it's a primarily, it's all, it's all sage. It's a Gruet Ale with sage. Um, I believe I use a little bit of Cascade hops in there, again, just for, for a little bit of bitterness. So you can call it a beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and now commercials can call it a beer. Um, it's Maris Otter Malts, a little bit of Crystal Malt, and not much else. Um, oh, I'm sorry, roasted. Yeah, we, so we actually we smoke the sage as well. Not like smoke it, but we smoke it in a smoker. Like a cold smoke just to get, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that not, makes sense. Didn't roll it up into a duchy, but we put it in the smoker. <laughs> right, right, gotcha, right. I gotcha. There's, uh, yeah, there, a there bit, is uh, a little bit of smokiness in the flavor. And yeah. So that, yeah, that a little bit of, A little bit of tinge it. of smoke, and then uh, a little bit of roasted squash as well. So we, we, we like to use the uh, Long Island cheese pumpkin, which is like the... 
it looks like a cheese wheel, and it's actually yeah. a native cultivar to here, which is pretty cool. So we like to use that. Uh, we substitute with, with, with butternut squash and stuff like that when we can't find it, and especially with homebrew. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, sage, roasted pumpkin, uh, uh, a nice dark winter ale. This one's 7%. Uh, we had brewed it at about 8%, but we're going to bring it down a little bit. I like them a little more sessionable. Seven's a little high for me still. You wanted to go higher? Yeah, yeah Jason, uh, Jason's putting his thumb up. He wants yeah, to get more. hammered. Give me more. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I understand you, Tim. I had uh, I had a bad experience. I brought you a bottle of Sizer as a thank you. That's this year's batch. Last year, I made uh, another Sizer that I ended up calling Blitzen. It was 15.8% alcohol. And I drank four of those on New Year's Eve 2015. Nice. And... Four was too many, especially considering that I told my wife the next morning that three was too many. <laughs> and, I didn't remember the fourth. I had had no. I had had two of them, and I'm considerably oh. larger than Mark. And I said, I'm going to go have the last one. Is that okay? And he actually yelled at me, which Mark never yells at anyone, really. <laughs> I've never seen you yell at you. Actually, I said, fuck you. No, it's mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay, then. Was you that brooded, before or after he fell out of the folding chair? After. That was after. after. Fell yeah. He fell out of a chair in slow <laughs> oh, motion. Yeah. We've told this to the podcast like 90 times. I believe it was like in your rush times. to go get it. It was so much fun, so much fun. He's leaning back, and he he totally could have stopped. I'm 100% certain that you could stop. He could have stopped. Like I could have stopped him, and I just didn't, and he fell down. So. Oh, I mean, so is- immediately after that experience, I I made a uh, I made a blind ale that was uh, three and a half percent right, alcohol, right, right. and I made a milk stout that yeah. was like 4.2. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I understand the desire for more sessionable beer. Yeah, a little more sessionable, <laughs> and it's just. You know, if, if, even with with the herb additions of these things, uh, I don't like to ferment on herbs anymore because, like I said before, it really does become psychoactive. And if you use something like yarrow, you're pulling thujone out with alcohol. I think it, I think alcohol. It's, it's I know alcohol uh, mugwort is one of the ones okay. too, right? Mugwort that, that has usually. Yeah, uh, uh, thujone is the same active compound that's in wormwood, which is in absinthe. Okay, so that's yeah, that's, fighting I was for getting, absinthe. I was gonna try to swing it around to that, but yeah, you yeah. got me there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yarrow has that, and uh, uh, Sarah can attest. I've been completely crazy drunk on, on yarrow beer that I fermented with with it in the fermenter. So I don't do that. Oh. Gives us crazy eyes on orange. I'm just yeah, drinking the sample of this, and it is, it's really delicious, man. This Dang is it. this is great. It's got that little bit of, like, that tea and that herbalness really comes through, and it's it's really tasty. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it's different. different it's got a, yeah, it's got a hint of smokiness from the, you know, the roasting of the sage, but it also has like a little bit of sweetness uh, at the back end, which I think is from the pumpkin. Right. And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice really good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I can't, I can't add anything more. You picked it all out. I, this is, no. I, I actually had a, a little bit of this before we started when I saw it on the menu. I'm like, okay, you have to, you have to try this. This is the, this is the one I want to try. Yeah. The, the name is great. All the names are, are really good. Thank you. Thank so you. So I'm not, Jason, what did, what did you go in the back to bring us out little samples of here? That's a heather ale. Okay, this is the heather ale yeah, you're talking so about. Gotcha. It's very murky because it hasn't quite settled yet. This is uh, this is uh, uh, so Paul Comstock from Brickhouse came over. I said before, and we did this. Uh, we both wanted to brew a heather, grew it to see what it was like. I've never even really. Usually, I, I experience these herbs first. Heather, I've never seen. I've seen, I guess. I never really tasted it. So we made this beer. To me, it tastes like Thai iced tea. I don't understand why, but it has like a nice mango sort of smell to it, and it tastes a little bit like a Thai iced tea. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I know that the, it's nice. It's I mean, very, it's yeah, very it's, refreshing. It's, it looks it's, like unfiltered apple cider. Like yeah. it's kind of got, you know, it's got that, you know, that color. It's a little light, 
But yeah, it's got a drop. Yeah, that that, stuff. that fruit iced tea is is a pretty really good descriptor. There. So First what, thing I thought what exactly is heather, and where do you get it? I know it, obviously clearly it's an it's a it's an herb of some sort, but yeah, this one we we internet we purchased on the internet. This one. Oh, okay. We'd like to get them so, uh, locally. The sage from which binder is all from farms out east. Um, we try to get stuff as local as we can. I want to start foraging for, for ingredients as well because we're so small we can do that. But this was internet sourced, unfortunately. <laughs> it, well, you can go you into his, where you yeah, have to. You can go into his backyard where he has a where Mark has a um a, a sheet out. I've been to known catch, to, to catch <laughs> like to catch berries falling from his I neighbor's small trees. Berries, yeah. Nice, oh, that's cool. Nice, nice. I suspended a tarp up in my yard. That's great. <laughs> I, 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 dry, I drive my wife crazy. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> she that's complains great. I ferment all the things. Yeah, but you do. Yeah, yeah. So it's also it's got a little bit of uh, thickness in the mouthfeel. Is that again because it's not settled, or is that something that, that is, that's going to be? I, I think it's a combination of uh, we used uh, uh, flaked rye in this, uh, okay. uh, and it's, so that that is adding to the mouthfeel in that. But it's also I think the Irish ale use the Irish ale use because it's a Scottish beer. It's not close enough. So we 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 went with that. That actually since it's still so, it hasn't really quite dropped clear. That's why it's it's not in the keg. It's still in the fermenter. Right. Um, so you're getting a little bit of that that richness from the yeast. But yeah, the the flaked rye I think added quite a bit of body to that. And a nice, yeah, rye nice definitely flavor. adds body. The uh, the blueberry chili beer that we mentioned before uh, is. Uh, I want to say 40% rye in nice. the grist. Nice, wow. So that is also a, a very sort of like viscous. Yeah, definitely. 40% uh, a lot. Beer, yeah. It's nice. almost got the nice. like a um, like a like a juice consistency. Like when you're drinking it, this one, like it's almost got a yeah, almost, almost yeah, right to the now. point where it tastes like juice. Yeah, that, right. You know, yeah, how thick it's, it is. It's it's one of the stranger things we've ever brewed. Uh, this heather ale for sure. No, we like we like strange. Yeah. On the <laughs> on the topic of strange things, like you said, you had a small system, so you're able to be nimble and make different things. Is there anything like that's really out there that you just said, like, man, I just don't, I haven't been able to do that, and but it's, I really, really want to. No, I mean, really, we're lining them up and, and sort of just, just as whatever we feel like doing, we, we do. This this was, I mean, it's not that weird, Heather. No, it's, it's not. It's the strangest but... thing we brewed so far. Uh, I mean, back before we brewed Loot and Witchbinder, those were freaking out there. Like, I right. wish I had Loot on hand to show you guys. That's a really nice beer. Nice we'll be back. Don't ale. worry. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's at least... Oh, that's right. I made oh, sati you've made once. a sati. Yeah, I did, I did. I did. Yeah, I, that's one of the... I did, yeah. Sa- so sati is a... Uh, a nor- uh, Scandinavian style that uh, uses uh, lots of juniper, and it's something that I've been interested in trying, uh, having read about it. Try but it. I've, yeah, it's, it's not anything that I've ever seen to buy. So. So what they do, it's, a, it's from Finland, I think. And reading up on this, it was all, there's all this lore and all this mystique and all this history. And then I think the reality is, I think it's what, like, the, like the, basically the, the Finland's rednecks brew in the backwoods. It's kind of yeah. like what it is. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the whole thing is, is that, you know, each family had their own magic stick that got right. passed down. Exactly. Yeah, that, you to know, the vessel exactly. or the, yeah. the yeast and bacteria that yeah. fermented the liquid. I didn't go that far, but I did. I did. What did I do? I, I picked. You, you didn't dip a stick in it while it was no. fermenting to, to inoculate the I next batch. I wanted to. I That's wanted it. To. I'm, I'm leaving. Too, I was too. <laughs> I was too afraid of getting something off. But what I did do is uh, I harvested. I, I researched juniper trees for a month or so because if you use the landscape variety, the short ones, you'll die. Or right. You'll get really sick. So you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, 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 that's like a pro so, tip right there. My parents actually at their house have a have a nice tall juniper tree that's like a real one you can use. I forget the, the names, uh, uh, but there's the 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 the, the real one works. Names. That's cool. The, the real juniper. So <laughs> don't we, try we, this at home, kids. You uh, 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 
you cook it a certain way and you, you filter it through a bed of juniper branches. Branches, right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I didn't have what they call a kurna, which is a, uh, the finished. Yeah, it's the like hollowed out log, right? Exactly, exactly. And then they throw that in there and they, they filter the mash through that. So to simulate it, I just I stacked a bunch in my mash tun, homebrew style, and I put that down. I got a nice bunch of juniper extract out of that. And the other thing was uh, this, this, the yeast they use over there is actually a, a type of baker's yeast. From now, modern day at least. Ancient is different. Like you said, the log was the big thing where they would just save it and for anyone not familiar, the, the, the wild yeast or yeast would hang out in the crannies of the wood and, and the bark and stuff, and it would always kick up the, a fermentation that was more or less, I don't know, predictable or not, but it would ferment at least. Uh, so I use, nowadays they use like a, uh, it's almost like a baker yeast. So they, I, I tried that. I did half, I forget, it was a regular lab strain. I forget what kind it was. Uh, and then I did a, a like I mixed Red it with Star, like, with like Red Star. Yeast. Exactly, exactly. Uh, to give it that, because it's very murky looking and it's uh, it, it was very full sort of mouthfeel. Um, and, and it, it came out phenomenal. The other thing, too, with, with sati is uh, uh, they have two or three different runnings of it. So you're supposed to, um, uh, uh, you take the first runnings of your mash tun and you sort of, well, I didn't boil it either. That was the other thing. It was no boil because they, oh, don't, they okay. don't boil it, so I don't think. Really? Nice. Uh, or at least some, sometimes they don't boil it. If I'm remembering, maybe I'm remembering this wrong. I had That's a lot right. of sati that day. But no, so it, you take the first runnings and you ferment that separately, which is like an 11 or 12% strong runnings, and then you take the second runnings, and then the third runnings, and they call it like moose snot or something at that point, or like <laughs> moose sl- and it's very thin. And the, the, the traditionally, the men would drink the strong stuff, and the women who did all the brewing would drink the weak stuff. I don't know how that ended up being that way, but that's uh, that's how that was, and it was it's a phenomenal little style. We brought it to the Rocky Point Cascale Festival a couple of years ago. Sarah just made, when you just said that, Sarah just made the best face. She's just like, yeah, 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 whatever. You got, yeah, sure they it's gave true. him the strong stuff. Let's get him out of the way, that kind of bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sati was a good one. Um, we have all these all these weird herbal beers we have ideas for. We have an idea board, and it's it's a half of names and half of actual recipes. And sometimes you come up with a recipe based on the name, and sometimes you come up with a name based on the recipe, and all so that stuff. So the way you guys are structured, like how do you come up with new recipes? Does each member basically come up with their own, and then you sort of hammer out the details? Or yeah, if you if it's like if you want to, like you can. Like I do a lot of it myself, but everyone is is encouraged to do so. Everybody does. So it's it, it's you know. These guys right here walking and they have their own recipes. Jason's got a recipe, Terry's got a recipe, Sarah's got a recipe. So we all do contribute them all. And then we sort of like, wh- what do you want to see? I'm going to work out the technicals on the system and with what we have sort of later. But yeah, everyone's, everyone is, is, is contributing and, and doing their part. And it's, it's nice. It's nice. So I want to I know uh, a little more about the Bayshore Badman. That's the other one I've been staring at a little bit. All right, all right. So that's... Uh, uh, we used to call it Bad Man Brown Ale when we were in uh, in in Farmingdale, so we sort of rebranded it. It's the same beer, so it's a it's a nice brown ale, um, pretty straightforward. Uh, English ale yeast fermented. Uh, it's a sort of a nod to uh, uh, Jamaican dancehall culture and a little bit of that what goes on in the UK. So it's a Bad Man, but now it's the Bayshore Bad Man because now we're here in, ba- in Bayshore. But it's a nice brown ale. Um, we some of our styles. So it's funny. We go from something like Witchbinder and this Heather Ale to to Bayshore Bad Man, which is really like a plain sort of style. Uh, Badman, Bayshore Badman does have uh, Rakow hops in it, which is the one thing that sort of sets it apart. I was going to ask you, I don't know if I've even ever heard of Rakow hops. Like, what you know, what are the sort of stereotypical flavors that uh, it's supposed to impart? They're kind of like floral, uh, tropical. They're one of the New Zealand hop breeds, okay. so they're they're in that sort of uh, uh, that family. So it's a bit of a different aroma on on the on the on the beer. Which is I'm definitely nice. uh, definitely more of a fan of like New Zealand hops 
newer American varieties. Yeah, me too. I'm not a big fan of like piney, dank hops, yeah. like you know, traditional Cascade, CTZ. Right, right, all that uh, stuff. Yeah. We like to try the new, the new stuff. I think Jason found these. I don't know where we got them. We got them from England or from from New Zealand through England somehow. It was this weird sort of <laughs> trade bounce around the world thing. But we ended up with a giant bag of Rakow. So we made uh, Badman with it and was, Proletariat Pale Ale with it. Was there like a, a briefcase that got left someplace? And like <laughs> the hops drop. just dropped in the corner and just keep walking? Like one of those kind of deals, Jeff? <laughs> we laughed because when when Paul at uh, Brickhouse did um, what was it? The, was that the Thai one? Uh, the did, the one with the, 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 uh, the, Vietnamese, the Vietnamese yeah, cinnamon. The Vietnamese cinnamon. It was like, did you just walk outside? And there was like 12 bags of it there, so you just put it in four different beers. <laughs> like what everything. happened? That's funny. <laughs> oh That's funny. right, yeah, between the the chai and the tiger, the squash buckler. And yeah, it was yeah, just it was yeah. in everything. I'm like saying cinnamons and everything is one thing. That's perfectly normal. But like Vietnamese cinnamon is in everything. Like it, it definitely was like a Costco sale on Vietnamese cinnamon. It was very good though. I do have to declare that there is Vietnamese cinnamon in the sizer that I brought nice. you guys tonight. So, nice. You know, <laughs> All right. Excited. You just have to go to farmers markets in uh, Northport. Oh, right. That's, that's right. right. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. Well, that's right. Well, you guys were talking. I decided to dive into this uh, to the bad man, and it's I like it, man. This is it. You're right. It's a it's a really straightforward brown ale, and it's it's really tasty. I like it. It's, Thank you. Thank you know, I've and this is really hard to be critical without being without feeling mean when especially when you're a much larger man than I am um, you know <laughs> and you brewed it right there um, it's really and I'm gonna say it's just really straightforward it doesn't seem really crazy or in any way but it just seems like it's like a you know it's a standard kind of workhorse kind of beer like exactly. this is it and I think a lot of people would really like it and what it I meets like a lot of it meets it meets it's going to be tasty to a wide variety of people. I exactly. Think. That's, I that's what I like about it, though, Kevin. It's a brown ale, so it's dark. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But you can give this to somebody that's like, I don't like dark beers. They're too thick in the mouth. I feel like I'm eating a meal. Glenn. Right, right. <laughs> You're like, Glenn. oh, yeah? Drink this. And they'll be like, wow, that's really good. That's no, right. And that's the whole thing. Like, it, I'm, you know, it's not that I'm being critical and saying negative things about it. I think it's fantastic, and I would just keep drinking it and <laughs> drinking you. it and drinking it. Thank you. We have to something to balance out the really weird shit that we brew here, you know? So it's, uh, I, I do like think a lot of weird, regular beers myself. I like really yeah. weird shit, so... Yeah. I like <laughs> that's that's what we're all about. But I, I, what I like is the... I think it's the hop that's giving it, like you said, that tropical bit at the end, because yeah. we've had a bunch of brown ales, and they usually are pretty straightforward. And for me, at least on the back, at least for a moment, I get something that's a little bit different that kind of makes me think... If I had it and I didn't know that there was an odd variety of hops in it, I would wonder like what it was. That it, right. you know what I mean. Right. So that when someone's drinking it and they wonder what it is, they're probably gonna have another one to try to figure it out, and then maybe another one because no one's gonna come up with Rykow hops because they weren't hanging out in Jason's backyard when they <laughs> airdropped it to him. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't there to intercept it. <laughs> yeah, I like to do these these sort of uh, I, I, do, I lovingly call them old guy styles, like a regular. Regular sort of base style, okay. like, like a pale ale, like a brown ale. Yeah. You know, IPAs are IPAs, but uh, yeah, you know. I that was uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring up. I, you know, you have nine taps, and only one of them is an IPA. It's sort of circumstantial, sort of. Now, <laughs> I mean, we like IPAs, I and mean, even the New England cloudy ones, we like those. We like them all. Um, back in Farmingdale, we had a when we were sort of figuring things out, we were like, oh, do we do a flagship? Everyone has a flagship, at least back then they did. Um, we went with our, our IPA called Useful Idiot, which is uh, another one of uh, my homebrew recipes, which is a, 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 a sort of a, I guess you can call it an East Coast IPA. It's like, it's like changed now. But so it's 
very light body, sort of similar to this guy. Not, you know, not not dark, not very malty, not cat pissy. I don't like those cat pissy hops. We're not, very, a, we're not a fan of Simcoe. I'm not, no, my, I don't like my, Simcoe. No we, we, we were at Oyster Bay, me and my wife, picking up uh, for a previous episode, and they had have an IPA that's actually a couple of them that are, are very heavy in that hop. And she picked it up and smelled it, and the first thing she said was, this is like the cat's litter box. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they were going for, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some people really like that in, a, in, a, in an IPA, but I never did, so... And when we first started homebrewing these things, um, I wanted to make an IPA that I liked. So I brewed a really light body, almost like a pale ale, and just hopped the shit out of it with uh, uh, Amarillo and Chinook was the two that we chose. Okay. And that was, again, this is homebrew days. We chose it purely on the description. Uh, I think it was Fresh Hops, and they had these vivid descriptions. Oh, like, yeah. Like uh, a, a forest floor, a pine forest floor, <laughs> washed with grapefruit and all this. Like, that sounds excellent, you know. <laughs> So we went with that. Wait, are you and, describing uh, hops or a body wash? Which exactly. Yeah. yeah, what is this? <laughs> exactly, it was a commercial. So we went with those, and that usefully it was our, our flagship, if you could call it that, IPA. So we, we, we do make IPAs. Uh, right now we're sort of, a, sort of a dirth of IPAs up there, but it's, Entourage it's, and, and, and Shinhook only. I mean, we, we certainly are on a constant search to find IPAs that we enjoy, but a lot of them are just far too bitter or dank for our tastes in general. Uh, no, the one neither. we tried last week. Oh, yeah, from Lithology. The, the lie from, detector actually from, from Lithology. Yeah, from Lithology. Oh, nice. The lie detector was there was a double IPA, and it was it was incredible. Nice. I was like, wow, I don't think I've ever had. But an again, IPA it came in at like twenty three point zero four three two seven eight seven IBUs. They put out their IBUs to hundredths, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it was I, kind of ridiculous. Yeah, that's funny. Now, but it Sarah, was a very low IBU I, double IPA. Was the point? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's yeah. It was. It was just again, it's it's kind of surprising as someone, you know, as a group of guys that don't always necessarily look for the I, IPAs. When we find ones that we like, they usually stand out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, Sarah, you brought around and what was this next oh, beer this that you brought some around? Some more Witchbinder for good measure. Oh, oh, oh solid. <laughs> Not gonna complain about that then at all. Thank you. <laughs> no, you're welcome. Keeping things flowing. Well, you know, gotta. You know. Now, um, <laughs> I noticed you guys, you know, well, so I'm gonna ask you a question, so I have a minute to drink more of this. But you guys have these nice fancy mugs with these uh, interesting red skulls. What is the what's the story with the red skull and the uh, and what's the story with them? I think that you guys call them the skeleton army, right? Yeah. Right, right, right. Do you want to take this one, Sam? Uh, sure. Yeah, you, can, you can talk about the, the actual okay. skull itself. But um, sorry, making lots of noise. Oh yeah, so this is our skeleton army mugs. So they're totally fun and badass looking. Um, and so. You know, when we were thinking about what our culture is going to be and, you know, who we are, and we really wanted to have a beer club. You know, we didn't want to just call it, like, the beer club. You know, we wanted it to have a great name. And, you know, Tim is very much a lover of the history of beer. We all are. But, um, you know, Tim came up with the Skeleton Army. And I'll have him talk a little bit about the history of the Skeleton Army because it's a real thing. Um, and uh, you could check Wikipedia on that. Um, but, uh, so, but essentially... Um, yeah, so it's 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 our beer club. We call it the Skeleton Army, and there's many perks of membership. So when we kind of started to develop, like you know, what does our beer club look like? You know, what what do we want? You know, we don't really want to just do like a growler of the month club. I mean, it's great, but you know, it's not that exciting. You know, we want to do something fun and. You know, we have a Try lot of to like differentiate exactly, yourselves yeah. from the yeah. other breweries in Bayshore, well, <laughs> or your yeah. regular old mug club kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, it just seemed a little, a little stale, you know. Like, um, and so what we did was when we were researching this, we we looked at like beer clubs not just on Long Island or in New York, but really around the country, and you know, different perks of membership and whatnot, and we picked you know the things that resonated with us the most, you know. So, and that's how we kind of came up with the different perks that you get. So to quickly go through them. So you get 12 bombers of beer 
a year. Um, so it's a one-year membership, right? So um, you get 12 22-ounce bombers of beer a year, and the the mug itself is a um, it's a 16-ounce mug. So we do 12-ounce pours in the tasting room. So for the same price of a 12-ounce pour, if you have your mug, you get a 16-ounce pour. Even if you don't have your mug, we have cups for 16 ounces. Uh, although we have found that people do enjoy. Oh, people so you their like mugs. gave the mugs to the people? And oh they, yes. they took them home with oh, them. Yes. Oh gotcha. yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This was. Uh, it was fun, you know. So you get yes, you get the 16 ounce, and, it, and it's regardless of style. So if we have, you know, um, any kind of really high ABV beers up there, you won't pay more. It'll be the same, the same price that it, that it goes for at, at 12 ounces. Um, and then we did, you know, we just did a, a basic um, merch discount. You know, anything non-liquid, you get 10% off. And then, you know, on your birthday, during your birthday month, doesn't have to be on your actual birthday, um, you get a free pint and a flight. And uh, awesome. we, yeah, it's fun. And then we have, we're going to have a secret um, dedicated tap line to the Skeleton Army crew. Um, it'll be stuff, it'll be one-offs, it'll be stuff we're working on, stuff we're looking for feedback on. Because, you know, ideally people that have signed up for the club so far are our biggest fans or people that are just really enjoy the collective and the brand and, you know, spend a lot of time here or want to spend a lot of time here. So we wanted to, you know, have a, a place when, when they come that, you know, we can give you a little bit of the VIP treatment, you know. So, and then, you That's know. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. And, and when we do can releases and bottle releases in the future, Skeleton Army will get first rights at that. You know, if it's say it's going to open at 12, they can come in at 11, or maybe they come in the next day. We'll have Skeleton Only, you know, functions just for the Army. And, uh, yeah, Jay, am I forgetting anything? Well, the first brew day we had, I guess that was the first brew day we had. It was, um, we were coming up with an IPA, possibly for a beer release for the Army. So we invited whoever signed up to date, just come down, hang out with us, brew beer with us. So we had five or six members come down, and we all just sat, shoot the shit, and brew beer together. So it's more incorporated, like you're coming into the family. Yeah, you're you're trying to build the sort of community around the brewery. Exactly. Yeah, and well, we had a lot of a lot of uh, people that reached out and said, you know, are you gonna do like a club? Is there gonna be like something that you're gonna offer, you know, for people that have, because we have like people that have been really huge fans for many years now, you know, because we've been on the festival circuit for so long, right? You know, so we wanted like just to have like a way to say thank you, and you know, we just really love hanging out and drinking beer and having a good time, and you know, we have a, kind of an interesting kind of situation going on here, so you know, it's fun to find like like-minded people that are into that too. So that's a really neat perk. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that at a certain point you're not going to be inviting everyone into the back, but that's oh, still no. that's still a pretty great way to introduce people to the army. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously can't have uh, 40 strong at every brew day. That would be a little chaotic. It's already kind of chaotic at six, so <laughs> you know. But yeah, no, it's it's super fun, and the response has been really great. Like, I mean, we we started just. We put it out there, I think, late November, like, and and just you know, it was before we even had a soft open or anything, you know. And we had people that signed up that we that we don't know, you know, and it was great, you know. And it really, you know, it helped, and it wasn't uh, necessarily a Kickstarter, but you know, it, it was a way for us to also have a little revenue going forward toward the end to complete out the build out too. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is not why we did it, but it was a, certainly a nice. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it also you know. certainly helps you uh, like get an idea for what kind of demand that you're going to have well it is yeah like and we we always invite feedback like i i always tell people i'm like don't be shy you know like don't don't tell me on on tap that you didn't like a beer tell me like if what didn't you like about the beer like let's talk about it you know and it's and it's it's, because we want to make we always want to make the best possible beer you know and also what's so wonderful now 
having a tasting room is we can get real feedback, you know, and we can right. see what people really respond to. Like, you know, people love loot. Loots are, are not, unfortunately not on tap anymore. Well, I was going to say, that's why that's, you ran <laughs> out. That's why yes. you ran out. So yes. which one's loot? Loot, um, it's it's not on tap today, but it's also another Gruet. It's our summer, um, a spring-summer seasonal. Okay. So we do hibiscus, sage, and lemongrass. And lemon balm. I'm oh, sorry, that's lemon the one. I always say lemongrass. I don't know. It's a thing. Um, but uh, it's very light. It almost has this, like, pretty... Um, Almost like a pink hue to it when okay. it's fresh. Yeah, that's from the hibiscus, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that's and you know and I have to say like, people who love like my our fans that love wine love loot because it has like a great complexity to it and and yeah it's I know very the, the hibiscus also lends like a certain tartness yes. to it right mm-hmm. yeah but it's very yeah, well I've, balanced. I've had several yeah. other beers with hibiscus in them and I I've, I like I'm it quite fun. yeah I love it I think it's a great ingredient and we we always get asked like you know when are you making that again and like a two like a few of the beers like. A couple of years ago, we made um, oh, a strawberry wit beer that we made with like fresh strawberries, and like I still have, and it was it was technically it was Tim and I's beer. We used to, it was part of our homebrew club from a couple of years ago. Like when we, I guess to kind of quickly continue what we were talking about before, eventually our homebrew competitions that we used to do, like just as like a club, we opened them up to the public, and we we did a couple at Hoptron Boutique in Patchog. So we literally invited the public to come and rate our homebrews right there on the spot. We invited other homebrewers that we knew and people that we sort of just put it out there. We met, met a lot of really great homebrewers. Uh, some of them are from the other clubs and stuff, but um, Molly Strawberry Whipper, or Strawberry Molly as we call it now, um, that was, it was a big breakout. It was, it was fun, it's, it's, it's a great beer, and we're looking forward to making that with Long Island strawberries in strawberry season, so it'll be in May. So on that yeah. subject, are you guys a New York State farm brewery? We are a New York State farm brewery. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. That's. Um, We're seeing a lot of a lot of yes. uh, the small breweries are going for that uh, that accreditation, I guess you would call oh, it, yes. or mm-hmm. classification. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great. It's it's. I mean, Governor Cuomo really set out to revitalize, you know, the the beer industry in New York. I mean. So I know it's yeah. uh, sort of on a sliding scale the percentage of ingredients that have to come from New York yes. State. Is that the one thing that I don't know of? Is that dependent upon when the brewery itself opens, or is that just based upon like um, the well, year, regardless of? Regardless, yeah. yeah. So like right now, like everybody that's in and been in uses 20% in, right. in their, all their bills um, and their grain bill, um, and it will go up. It's going to go up again in 2019. Yeah, yeah to like 60%. And wow, that's a that's a big jump. It is a big jump. And will yeah. you be affected by that as being yeah, part of it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and I mean, when we talk about it, like they say, you know, of course this is. The hope is that there will be more available product for it. Like right now, like I don't know that they could meet the demand with how many farm breweries there are, but there's right. more malt houses popping up all the time and local hops being grown and, you know, so we'll see. I mean, because I think by like 2023, and I'm probably ruining the state, but it's going to be like 90%. So I mean, okay, wow, that's yeah. Um, wow, our phone just rang. Hey. Um, <laughs> Customers, but, it's all uh, good. Yeah, no, yeah, well, cool. yeah, well, the farm brewery, it's really great. I mean, there's a lot of perks of being a farm brewer. I mean, obviously, you use the local ingredients, and it's really good, you know, just for the local New York economy in general. But um, you get a lot of other perks, like the licensing costs are, are much less. Yeah, I heard um, there's a good tax break on it, too. Yes, there is. <laughs> yeah, you get a nice ta- tax break. I mean, you know, typically, like... I don't know like what the biggest farm brewer out there, but I think it's usually the smaller breweries right. have been the farm breweries. And then you also you can open up to five satellite tasting rooms, you right. know, yeah. which is really nice, all anywhere that, in New York. That's something that we learned from uh, Brian from Belport. Belport. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He w- he, was the, uh, he gave us a little more info on that and was saying that that was the big thing, that it made life a little bit easier for mm-hmm. him to uh, not necessarily, if you don't have one individual location because the overhead for that 
brick and mortar place is too much to have those satellite locations it makes life a little bit easier for you oh absolutely and then like you don't have to worry about like just going with like a distributor to have a presence say upstate you could open up your own tasting room upstate yeah. you know and you could brew the beer here or wherever and then um also, you can carry all New York State produced wine right. and spirits oh, as wow. well. I didn't so that's that. really fun. Yeah, we're really cool. looking forward to doing that. Well, that's actually a project I'm taking on to find well, the wine that will kind of in that, here. in that vein. <laughs> that's got to be a very tough job. It's really hard. I mean, it's it's I'm doing God's work. It's it's important. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's, well, that's I will tell you, it was um, my wife is originally from Albany. Yeah, I went to school. I, was, what's <laughs> I went to SUNY Albany. Actually. Okay. Oh, there really? My Albany. wife graduated oh, from really? SUNY Albany too. Fantastic. Yeah. So I was up there visiting with my wife, visiting our, my in-laws. Nice. And we stopped at the, one of the local beer distributors. And it's funny because, you know, I'm going up there looking for local beers to there. And all the beers that they have on tap are all stuff from Queens and Long Island because uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, want something different. <laughs> and I'm just going like, there you go. We got the spot. It's there. They, they'll, <laughs> they'll love it up there in, in the uh, in the Albany area. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Albany's got a great craft beer scene, too. Like we and, um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were hanging out. Uh, where were we? In Rensselaer. <laughs> Um, right. Browns? Yeah, we Browns did an yeah. episode uh, yeah, they're on Browns. Yeah, they're in nice. Troy. Yeah, we Troy, actually reviewed, sorry, yes, Troy. We, we reviewed some of their beers, and they're one of it's my stuff. favorites. They're like awesome. th- that, Their oatmeal stout. Like, I, I, that, was the, that was the Cherry Raz, too, right? The Cherry yes. Raz. Yeah. We had a cream ale from them, which wasn't great. but well, it's a, you know, For us, cream ale is not going not gonna to hit us too good. So. But, that o- but that oatmeal stout like still makes me weep, yeah. weep with joy sometimes. Oh, yeah. Nobody's awesome. And they I went to... They have this. I, I love Belgian beer. Like I'm oh, obsessed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that's we're in good company. <laughs> you just hit the sweet spot. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, well, there, I don't know if you've been to the Merry Monk. Oh my God. That's up there. It is. Oh, oh no, I, no, not the Merry Monk. I've been to uh, in Philadelphia. I was at Monk's Cafe. Oh my God, that's on my bucket list. Oh, you yeah. need to be there. Yeah, it is incredible. But I'm sorry. Tell us more <laughs> no, about no, Merry Monk's. Fine. No, well, the Merry Monk is awesome because like not only do they do Belgian beer, they do all Belgian food. So oh, there you go. Yeah, like literally, like my my baby sister lives baby, she's not baby, but um, <laughs> in her twenties. They but, always uh, are. So she's younger than you. You're allowed to say that. Yes. Um, but she she lives up there actually. We both went to SUNY Albany, and okay. um, yeah, and she's still got a bunch of great girls up there, and she works up there now. So, when I'm yeah actually lucky enough to go and visit, like we we went to there, and uh, she's like, oh yeah, you know, we'll go here, and then we'll go to like a couple, let's go to the pump station and a couple yep. of the other I've, places. I've been to the Albany pump nice. station. I've been I've been <laughs> yep. over there. And um, we ended just up don't there let them drag the you to bombers because then you end up that that's the end of the night, and then yeah. it's all downhill. But the burritos like, are the size yeah. of your head, so it's cool. <laughs> I know, and I just I love like everything on Lark Street and like just like it's just yeah. it's a really awesome great <laughs> nightlife i mean i never although when i was in college like i unfortunately was not into craft beer at the time so it was just a lot of love at blue and we all have dark, dark sorted past it's okay yeah so we don't talk about that time that's okay <laughs> i didn't didn't know myself then so that wraps up part one of our interview with the Bruce collective tune in next week to listen to us drink the rest of their beers and ask them our six pack of questions if you enjoyed Beertastic Voyage, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to review and rate us. The guys can be found online at www.beertasticvoyage.com, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash beertasticvoyage, and Twitter and Instagram at beertasticshow, or send them a good old-fashioned email at beertasticvoyage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and cheers for local beers.